but I still, I still don't know how it happened, but probably I stalled the glider. <laughs> I was probably trying to turn really low, uh, really um, narrow turns and it just didn't work and I probably just stalled the glider on one side and bam, I was in the tree. And uh, the glider got uh, stuck in the very, very last high tree before there were no trees anymore. And uh, so, and I was sitting just half a meter above the ground with in the in the harness and I didn't even hit anything, you know. So I was so incredibly lucky. Just my glider was destroyed. Paul Guschelbauer recounting the third thermal flight he had ever had back in uh, 2005, uh, crashing into the trees. That was not uh, his only crash in his uh, short but pretty incredible career. Uh, Paul competed in the 2011 X-Alps uh, and got third place and in his own admission was a pretty uh, average or kind of beginner pilot really compared to a lot of the other crowd, um, but he was a wicked fit and uh, the, the weather was bad that season and that led to all kinds of amazing things including becoming a Red Bull athlete and um, in this episode we get into some really cool stuff, some great advice, very exciting character. It takes us a little while to kind of get going in this one. I encourage you to stick with us uh, because a lot of the stuff at the end, I mean it's all great, but a lot of the stuff at the end um, we talk about accidents and progression and how he's uh, training for the next X-Alps in 2017. We talk a lot about the X-Alps in this one, but I think it's very relevant information for anybody who flies. Uh, we talk about Kriegel and his magic and a lot of other friends and mentors along the way. So uh, without getting into it too much here, uh, without further ado, Paul Guschelbauer. Mr. Gusselbauer, it is great to finally have you on the Cloud-Based Mayhem. I'm really excited to talk to you. This has taken us a few weeks to kind of align, but how are things in Austria? Are you are you home? Hi, Kevin. Yeah, it took a while that we get together here. I'm happy about that. Yeah, I'm at home, and it's snowing right now. Finally. Finally, you've had a you've had kind of a thin year, I guess. Yeah, so far, I just know from your side that it's snowing like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> like never before at your place. But here it was almost nothing until now. But now I, I when I came back from Morocco now, um, it was snowing a little bit. And now I'm back and I can go ski touring finally. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, the, the gods have been very kind to us this year. We've had an amazing, I think El Nino is treating this part of the world uh, very well. I was just down in Mexico and the weather's been quite terrible there. They're having a hard super final going on right now. But um, you were just in Morocco. Tell me about that trip. Well, it was more uh, like holiday for me. Uh, but of course, I'm always searching for cool places to fly. So I also took my glider and um, I found some cool places, like really cool uh, places to fly at the coast in the south of Morocco, and then of course the high atlas. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure I will go back to Morocco for flying. I'm planning to go there in autumn. Yeah, it's a it's a really uh, it's a special place. I lived down uh, not Marrakesh, Essaouira, Essaouira, right after we got done with the sailing thing and spent some time in the atlas. And yeah, it's a it's a very cool 
country. Um, speaking, so this one, this trip was more of a, for, for fun. And I know you and Aaron Durgati, we had him on a show a few episodes back. Um, you were doing a, a Salewa project, I think in the Canaries. Is that right? Tenerifa, I think in, I don't know in English, but <laughs> Tenerifa together. Um, it was for Salewa. It was basically just the shooting uh, for the new collection, but, um, we, we can we also went flying and we had a really good time there together and we yeah we were thinking about some projects together as well how do you go about that you, you know um i was reading your bio earlier and we'll get into some of your history here in a bit but how do you go about kind of designing your year around sponsors versus your own kind of free flight ambitions and then of course training i know um it, you don't just compete in the x alps you compete in the dolomiti man I'm, I'm not maybe not saying that right but in a few other kind of adventure races um but how, how do you go about kind of planning your year well there are some some uh like how do you say that in english like fixed uh, appointments i have with uh a few um, uh, competitions, for example, that I always want to go to, but but basically I, my year is like like uh, free, like I can do whatever I want. Um, but in the end, it's always like stuffed, like it's full. <laughs> I have right. no time, I think. <laughs> and uh, still, for me, uh, the projects are like holidays for me. The projects I do, and the work part is everything else. Like I organize everything myself. I take care about my sponsors myself. I have nobody working with me. Um, so this is a lot of work, <laughs> as you probably know. I think you you're doing this since a lot of years. Um, and, uh, well, projects come, yeah, come, just come, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I see a new country or talk to somebody and he tells me about a cool place and then I think, okay, this looks good. And yeah, this is how it works. And in the end, my year is full, like so many things to do and yeah, get inv invitations for talks here and there and it's really cool when when people ask you uh what you do what is your answer like we just had the christmas holidays did you go to any parties where people you know didn't know you or didn't know you through the paragliding how do you answer that question yeah it's <laughs> by now i'm really saying i'm a professional paragliding pilot <laughs> which is which is kind of funny if you tell people but uh um yeah that's that's what i say now but um I always also add that uh, I work for Skywalk Paragliders since a lot of years by now um, and uh, this is still part of my job. I think um, between 20 or 30-40% of my work sometimes um, and yeah the rest is like I'm a Red Bull athlete uh, that does projects and flies paraglider and that's my job. And when you, you credit, I read in your bio on the Red Bull website uh, that you credit your father with kind of getting you into this lifestyle. But how did you make the switch? I, th I think you were uh, into biking and bike racing and that kind of thing. But um, tell me about your dad and then tell me about how you made the switch to flying. What was kind of the impetus there? What was the attraction? Yeah, my, my dad always took me to, well, outside, like I spent a lot of time outside with my dad and he, he spent a lot of time um, taking me to, to the forest, we were running around and like 
I was always outside and then uh, he was always into mountain biking so for sure as, uh, for sure when I was old enough uh, he he took he took, took me to mountain biking as well I had a very very old and uh, bicycle that time I think I was I don't know, maybe eight years old or maybe younger. I don't know. But uh, and there were steep descents, and he's still telling me the the story that he 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 said, yeah, I hold your, I hold you. But uh, in the end, I was driving down myself. <laughs> I was riding down myself, and so I was always from very very young age. I was um, outside and with the mountain bike when I was around, I think, eleven or twelve years old. Uh, I remember that I was going up the the highest mountain in around Graz, my hometown Graz. It's not really high; it's one thousand four hundred meters um, or one thousand two hundred. I don't know. Well, it's something like that. And uh, we were going up there, and I was almost as fast as him already. And I, I said, "Okay, why? I'm I'm already quite fast, so maybe I should take part in some races." <laughs> so. He, he said, "Okay, yeah, let's look. How, let's see how that works." And um, then I started to take part in mountain bike competitions, and I was there for um, until I was 19. And every year, I was um, taking part at 10, 15 races. Um, very soon, when I was when I was 13, I started to take part in marathons too. It was only allowed from 16, but I, I was I was saying that I was 16 already. <laughs> I was 13 when I took part in the Tolomiti Superbike. That's a it's a 56 kilometers, I think, and a lot of meters uphill. And uh, yeah, this was really cool for me. I really enjoyed to be in those kind of races and those um, endurance sports already when I was really young. And uh, and then by the time I met uh, more professional like. Uh, people that are training more professional than my father i mean he has a lot of knowledge about training he's a, a doctor and he also is a sports like trainer uh but he he always let me do what i wanted to do like a lot of feeling in my training that was always the the base of my the basis of my training i never had a, a trainer or like a like a coach or something uh, but I met people who were training a lot so I, I spent a lot of time with them and I got a really 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 good basis you say that like this like a yeah yeah so I got better and better my best result was at this <laughs> Dolomiti superbike when I was taking part there the first time I was I think uh, top 15 I think um, overall wow. so this was my best result and then yeah and then I don't know I didn't want to uh, to do mountain biking anymore, kind of, uh, and the change, the big change was uh, that I went to Mexico for half a year when I was 19, um, and I didn't bring a bike. So I was I was full in training uh, before, and then suddenly I didn't have a, a bike. But I, of course, I was used to to to, to exercise all the time, so I started to run and to climb mountains so and there is there are high mountains around mexico city i was living in puebla actually which is just on the other side um from from mexico city and in between mexico city and puebla there are the the popocatepetl and the is the seawattle 5000 meter high peaks and i always wanted to climb them so i started climbing up <laughs> higher mountains um when i was 19 and then i saw some paragliders there and i thought okay this 
this this could be cool but i i never thought about starting to fly yet so um i came back and um and i didn't want to race bicycles anymore i was just going for running and on on the mountains rock climbing a lot uh with friends but like i i don't know there was no real real favorite sport that i had at that time and then on the at the university uh there was a friend of mine who was uh, actually it's Philip Medicus he's now the one of the owners of Nova um and uh he's this, the design, the designer of Nova paragliders now and he was at the university with me in Graz on top i said okay i i want to be down before you are down <laughs> and he was flying and i was running so i and i never won <laughs> so i thought okay this this flying thing is really cool um Maybe I should try it, and so he he gave me glider, and I started to try this, uh, to try paragliding, um, and this was quite late actually. It was 2007, so um, I was already um, 23, 24, 23 years uh, when I got first in contact with paragliding. Then everything was really fast because I knew him, and he was with Nova. I got into the Nova Juniors team as a paragliding pilot and uh, with a friend of mine I made a, a project which we called Speed Raid. It was in the time when the um, uh, small, like the, the speed riding was coming up and we we just took a car like a, a Volkswagen bus and we drove around the, the, Alp, the Alps and um, we climbed the mountains and we did really kind of crazy things like I, I I don't do that anymore that much, but that time I was quite uh, ambitious and probably it was also quite dangerous. So I'm happy that nothing happened. Do I have that right then that you, so you learned in 2007, so you'd been flying for, is it only four years before you competed in the X, your first X Alps? Is that right? And you got third. That's really remarkable. <laughs> it's crazy. It was 2000, like in, I think it was autumn. 2006 and then in 2007 was my first thermal flight yeah those first four years then before the x alps two questions one was when was when did the x alps kind of get on your radar to do and then two how, how many hours would you say you fly in a year up until the 2011 x alps were you were you flying hundreds and hundreds of hours or what, what, tell me about your progression through those years Okay, first, sorry, I have to correct that what I said. It was in autumn 2005 when I started paragliding. Mm. And uh, in 2006 was my first, like, spring time with thermals and stuff like that. Um, well, yeah, that, that, that story is quite <laughs> quite funny. Like, 2005 was a year of Red Bull X-Arps. And um, when I was in the – when it was summer, I didn't fly – Paraglider yet, but I saw Red Bull Exabs. Like I heard of it, or I've have, I've heard of it already. When I started to fly, because of Philip, also he he informed me about it that there's this race and stuff, and it was always in the in the back of my mind that there is this kind of race, and this is like the crazy the craziest race, and I knew that I have still have this really good um, endurance, uh, like this base of my body is really fit it was always fit like i never stopped to train although i wasn't racing a mountain bike anymore um when i started paragliding i remember that i i told my my teacher well there's this red bull x and i 
I think I will take part <laughs> in this race. And of course, he was like, are you crazy? This will never happen. And and all the other students in my course, like, <laughs> we're still talking about this when I meet them. That's really funny. Yeah, then after that, uh, I remember that everything was like, when I when I have an idea, I re- I'm really focusing on it. Like I, I really start to, to do it 100%. And all the people that started paragliding, and that are that were really ambitious they know that feeling when you can't stop to check the weather and go flying like and for me this was in that time it was crazy like i was totally crazy about about it and the good thing was that i was in at the university and i had a lot of time like i uh, now I say that time when I was in the uni- at the university I, I didn't go to the university anymore I I learned uh, well I studied paragliding in that time that's what I, what I tell people now I never uh, finished the university actually um, because yeah <laughs> I studied paragliding but uh, that was really interesting because then in spring of course on my second thermal flight it was in spring in, in Graz and in spring we often fly when there's a lot of north wind so we can take off in the in that hill there like this 1400 meter mountain and then to the south it's all flat so you have flatland flying and i was always going every day kind of every day going to my uh, paragliding teacher from the flugschule steiermark and i was always saying yeah it's possible to fly today is it possible to fly and he he says, "Yeah, today we go flying." And he was—he is definitely one of the best um, cross-country pilots I know. Still, this uh, this uh, friend of mine and the teacher there, and and of course when he saw that the conditions are good for cross-country flying, he he's very—he was very ambitious himself, and he didn't want to take care about a a pilot who, who was doing his second <laughs> thermal flight. But anyway, I said, okay, I come with you, I come with you, just tell me what I have to do. And I uh, remember that we, he said, yeah, the only thing he said was, okay, when you take off, you, you do the thermal, and then the only important thing is just when you get very low, look for a good landing place and and decide to land. Yeah? Not, don't try to, to get up when you're really low, that's just for safety, but the rest is okay. So, on my second uh, thermal flight, we were flying, I was flying with that strong north wind, uh, I think more almost 60 kilometers um, into the flatlands. So I thought, okay, this is, wow, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the born cross-country pilot. <laughs> and I was so motivated that on, on the next day, um the wind changed like it was turning to the south but there was still this north wind there and and but everybody was again really motivated to to cross country and of course because i was already flying 50 kilometers i thought okay now i know how this works and i go as well and and i flew a little bit against this north wind of course i did didn't have any idea what's happening and then on one mountain uh, about 20 kilometers to the north i was going in, coming into the lee and i was in the trees <laughs> on my third thermal flight um <laughs> i was so lucky you know like it was, i was flying i to get to get altitude and uh, i don't know but still, I still don't know how it happened. But probably I stalled the glider. <laughs> I was probably trying to turn really low, uh, really um, narrow turns, and it just didn't work. And I probably just stalled the glider on one side, and bam, I was in the tree. And uh, the glider got uh, stuck in the very, very last high tree 
before there were no trees anymore and uh, so and I was sitting just half a meter above the ground with in the in the harness and I didn't even hit anything you know so I was so incredibly lucky just my glider was destroyed and um, I said okay I don't what happened <laughs> but, but I knew uh, Philip Medicus from Nova and so I asked him okay do you have a glider for me and because my glider is crashed and can you fix my glider and then he gave me a, a Mambu which was at that time a very good cross country ENB glider or 122 glider but uh, quite uh, demanding actually for its class I think and uh, so I drove to Innsbruck <laughs> <laughs> to fly the Mambu on the Nordkette, maybe you know the Nordkette, which is very steep and high rocky mountains uh, north of Innsbruck. And uh, in spring, it was I think it was April or May, there are really, or probably April, yeah, beginning of April, um, really, really strong spring thermals, and I was <laughs> going up like crazy in the thermal. I did have, didn't have any idea, and of course and then I went into the into the thermal and I stalled the glider again and I was going down 500 600 700 meters and just just before the ground I was twisted everything just before the ground and before I wanted to pull the rescue um the glider was flying again uh because I left the brakes alone <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy really crazy crazy story. I thought okay I, I have really no idea about paragliding, but I still want to do it, so I have to do something. And I went to a safety training. Um, yeah, and that was then basically the beginning of a of a good. <laughs> one one of the questions I have down here is it, advice you would give to your fifty year fifty hour self. I, I guess the advice would be just don't do it like you did it. <laughs> that's that's simple. <laughs> I was really crazy about it and I, I had no idea and I thought okay everything is easy and it just works um, well like that but I, I really fast I learned that it's not easy and you have to learn it probably prob properly um, yeah and then I did this course and the next one the next year one and a half years um, yeah, in 2008, I did this project with friend, which with the speed gliders. So I learned to speed ride, um, and I was then at the end pretty good at that. And it gave me a lot of how to say self confidence because I learned with that speed riding project where where are the limits, how dangerous dangerous it really is. After that, my cross country flying starts to become better, a lot better. So in 2008, you start flying better. I'm assuming you're starting to, you know, really kind of link things and um, figuring it out. Was that, uh, was, was, were you already at that point thinking about the X-Alps or was this still very much just a part of trying to get better? No, the X-Alps was always in the back of my mind. Like really, I thought about the X-Alps all the time. <laughs> um, and so how did that, how did that kind of guide 
your training. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I, I read a, a really interesting article that I believe you wrote um, after, so 2011, and if I get any of this wrong, please correct me, but 2011, I remember the weather was very bad, um, but you did incredibly well. You were third and just, I think, nine kilometers from goal. Uh, this was your first one, and I believe maybe you led to the Red Bull thing and, and all some very exciting stuff. And then you trained uh, very hard for 2013, and I know in that one you didn't do as well as you hoped. And I read an, an article about how you know some of the things you felt like you did well and you executed well, but other things you didn't do as well. Um, how did how did you move from from that experience to the 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 2015 event? And, and take me through kind of some of the learning and the progression there between 2011, 13, and then and now. When I took part in 2011, I was basically a beginning beginner paraglider pilot. Still, I mean, I was of course uh, testing with Skywalk and I had the technical skills uh, to do stalls and whatever and big collapses and everything like that but I and of course I had uh, quite long cross-country flights but this is not this is still far 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 away from something like Kriegel Maurer knows about paragliding you know mm. so um, compared to other X-Alps um, uh, competitors, I was a beginner in 2011, and uh, that, the, that the weather was bad was an uh, advantage for me, uh, actually, because uh, I'm also in 2011, I was uh, one of the fittest participators, I guess. Um, so, yeah. I was I was able to run a lot, but and and the parts I could fly, I did well. And um, after the X Alps 2011, I I knew that in this I think it took almost 14 days that time. Um, in these 14 days, in these two weeks, I learned as much as in three years or four years of paragliding. Wow. <laughs> like this is what it felt to me. You know, I was never before in my life flying in. Uh, valley winds that were so strong that I couldn't fly forward anymore. Like 40, 50 kilometers of valley wind happened to me five times during the Xerps 2011 or things like that. I didn't know. This was so much new stuff in 2011 that I, yeah, that I knew that, okay, there's still a lot, a lot to learn. And then uh, what happened was, like you said, that uh, Red Bull decided to sponsor me and, um, um, made a lot of pressure to me because I was I knew on the one side okay I'm I'm not a very experienced pilot and there are so many things to learn but on the other side people probably expect that I'm now a, a professional paragliding pilot and I will well, win because now I was third so the next big step can be first place in the Excelps 2013 so there were two very big um different um, angles of this 2013 race and and myself I, I started to already believe it myself that I'm that I'm really good at this you know like that I can really fly and that I have a lot a lot of experience but the reality was actually different I mean when I look at it now it, I have to to see that you know by by seeing that that you weren't as uh, you you needed better piloting skills. Obviously, you were really fast and still very fit on the ground. But 2013 was amazing weather. Is that what you're saying? That you just you didn't have the flying skills um, that you needed? 
Mm, I don't know if it's really the flying skills. It's more the the uh, mental skill to fly well. That's I think okay. that in paragliding is the biggest part. If you know if you have very good like uh, if you have the technical skills for paragliding, and if you understand the I don't know the the whole like how does thermals work, and if you have a feeling for that, um, then at some point it's the it's a mental game. You know, that's what I think. To keep calm and not to to get crazy if somebody passes you in the air, another competitor, and then you have to go full speed and then you land. You know, that's a typical situation. <laughs> so, in this concern, um, I was not good in 2013. I was too, I had too much pressure to be in front. And then on the first on the first day, or it was the second day of the race, it was a very good flying day. Uh, Kriegel flew from Dachstein all the way to Garmisch, uh, uh, not to, to Garmisch, um, yeah, to Garmisch and the Zugspitze actually, the next turn point. And, um, and I was also flying, I was not flying bad on, on that first day, but then um, I, was, I was landing and I was on the, I think I was 25th place or something like that and I thought okay that's it I, I cannot do this anymore like I have to give up I have to stop and uh, this so my expectations were not met at all for me for myself I had that problem um, probably the others didn't even think so much about it or care about it but um, yeah I had a big problem but I didn't give up I, I finished I went to I went all the way to Monaco and uh well yeah i learned also a lot again in this race of course um i finished ninth this was okay for me sometimes i was sixth i, I back and forth you know like but I, it was okay i knew okay for 2015 um i really have to to get better you know like <laughs> if you want to be professional like you have to really prepare professionally so i started to work um with uh, with a coach actually this uh, thomas teria it was thomas teria um Kriegel supporter um i was working with him quite a lot um and yeah this was the mental part was um or getting better in this way a lot. There were rumors, Paul, before the race, and maybe that's all it was, was just a rumor, but there were rumors that he was going to be your supporter for 2015. Was that accurate at all? Yeah, the, the rumors were right. We were we were thinking about that for a few uh, days. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, uh, no, it was longer, actually. But uh, we made a project together uh, in, in England, a sailing and running project, and we saw that... Uh, it's just not the time yet to do to do that together, or maybe not at all to do that race together, like Tom and Thomas and me. Um, but still, I think he's a, a very very good coach. Like he can he can help everybody so much really fast, and that's what he did with me too. So on this on this uh, level, we can work together really well, and we're still doing that. And uh, yeah, with him, I really started to to accept my my situation as a professional pilot, but uh, not with the experience that Kriegel has and the situation that I still want to to do really well. And yeah, this is this is how it how it went on. And um, 2015 was a really cool race for me. Like I really really enjoyed it. 
incredibly strong that entire race. I really enjoyed and encourage our listeners to check out your blog series that you put out on Facebook, the uh, 25 Days Till Christmas. I followed that very closely. That was really lovely to relive uh, each of those days. And you, know, you and I were together in the beginning and then never again, but you 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 made what I thought was a really good move at the end that turned out to be kind of unlucky. But I agreed with you when you wrote up that, that you know, it was the thing that made sense. And you know, that, that deep line down the border of, of France and Italy is a really serious line. So it was actually the, the line you flew was the one I was planning on taking. And, you know, but when it just made more sense to dive in deeper when I came through, but yeah, that, that, that didn't work out for you as you planned, but you, you pulled it off in the end. A really nice, nice job there. Now that you've got the compilation of these three events, um, do you, <laughs> a couple things, do you think Kriegel can be beaten? And if so, uh, what will you do until 2017 to give yourself a better chance? Yeah, that's a good uh, question. Actually, I think yes, he can be beaten. Um, I didn't, I didn't think it. I think didn't think that like that that much before 2015, but now. I think it's possible, and um, yeah, just to just to to tell you why is or that um, I saw until the last days of the race that um, that he I really felt that he was pushing really really hard in front of me. You know, I was I was for a long time I was on the second place, and uh, I was sometimes not really far behind him, and I I knew that like we were kind of climbing up the same mountain sometimes. And he was in front of me, and I was going really fast. And I knew, and I knew that he was, he had to go really fast in front of me too. And he was, I could feel that that there was this certain, um, like pressure on him as well. Everything, everything is possible, and and I saw this time that it's also possible to to beat Kriegel. Still, for me, he's the best pilot, and um, that will always be his biggest advantage that he's just really really good uh, in what he does and he will always be kind of my um like a paragliding hero still you know like it's not it's not that uh, that i want to it's it's difficult to say that how to say that now but uh, i think he's still the best pilot and he will always be better than me because the progress is there for him as well and for me as well but uh, like yeah you know what i want to say um what will i do for 2017 uh, good question i i just want to be i think the key to be to be really good in this race is to to be professional like the word professional is the key you know <laughs> um, and professional means that you think of everything before you train professionally you your your material is uh, right you know for you you can manage that you yeah you just did everything possible to be as good as did you can you change anything uh you know kind of radically or were there any um were there any kind of real aha moments during the race where like oh shit you know we, we should have done this or is there anything you, you, that you you will uh you know a real deliberate change in your strategy for the next one and i'm not asking for my own <laughs> because i'd like to do it again as well it was a fantastic event I, I'm, I'm more asking in terms of just you personally um that you know did you identify any kind of weaknesses in your game that you would change 
mostly in terms of flying, like in, in terms of how we can kind of teach the audience about uh, how to improve? Well, the key for my um, performance this time was that I didn't allow any pressure on me. You know, I was just flying for myself. I was taking it really easy. I was not going full speed bar all the time. I was just trying to fly really concentrated and really well. Um, and this was kind of the key for me to to be able to even follow Kriegel on on a good flying day, you know. And even in locations that I didn't know and he knows really well. What I should probably or learn or what I have the feeling is that that uh, will to really win, you know, like you, there's the one side that you can say, okay, I take everything easy and uh, I, I fly here and it, I fly as far as possible and I run as fast as I can. But in the end, for example, on the last uh, kilometers from Annecy to Monaco, I think if I would have the, the real determination to, to win and to, then I would have maybe decided a little bit different. So for me, in the end, it's, it's I think, but after three uh, X-Alps um, particip participations, um, as soon as you have the, the skills, like you, you know that you can fly the whole day for 10 hours and you can fly fast for 10 hours, and then you you have the the performance, um, the endurance to climb four thousand meters every day. Then it's just a mental game, and you you have to like like I felt it with with from Kriegel. He really wanted to win. Like he did everything to win. You you could really feel that. Like he pushed as much as he could. Um, and and I just kind of wanted to do it for myself. I wanted to take it easy, kind of. Um, but still, of course, I, I I went up the mountain as fast as I could. Not no nothing about that. But um, this determination determination that you you really want to win is kind of a a key. I think that I was missing a little bit. And and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I you know I I don't do a ton of competition flying, but I you know every year I try to get in a couple of World Cups and stuff. I don't believe that you do much like uh, paragliding racing, like like World Cup type racing. Is that correct, or am I wrong there? No, that is totally correct. I take part probably average of an average of two competitions per year. Um, which is not a lot. <laughs> um, I was really like uh, seeing all the other pilots like Clément Latour or Aaron or yeah, all the all the other pilots kind of that are really good um, taking part in the World Cups. And I was really thinking about that, you know, like do I have to go to a World Cup to be able to win the x for example, or to be really good in the x -Alps? And now... In 2015, um, with Sebastian Huber and myself, I saw that it's not necessary, like really necessary to do that. You can, I, that's what I think. I mean, of course it doesn't, like it's nothing bad about <laughs> taking part in a lot, of, a lot of competitions, but it's still a totally different world. I mean, you, you learn to fly fast for sure. But flying cross country through uh, terrain that you maybe didn't see before in conditions that will never be allowed sometimes in, or sometimes in conditions that will never be allowed in a competition um, is a totally different thing. 
I think. And there is nobody around that you can fly behind. You know, there is no, there is not a hundred other pilots that show you the thermals, and you can just um, yeah fly behind them if you want. And so I think it's from my it's my view, it's my person personal opinion. It's quite a different um, a different thing, and uh, it's not. Um, absolutely necessary to be a good uh, competition pilot to be uh, good in the exalps so for for going into 2017 then it sounds like you know a big part for you is is kind of the mental preparation and the and the the, the desire and determination to win um, obviously flying as much as you can but maybe competition flying not not so important um, what about uh learning the areas i i had a very interesting we had a media press conference a few days before the race uh, at red bull and kriegel was sitting next to me and before it started i asked him i said hey uh you know are have you been flying the course you know, in the last couple months because i was over there all of may and june you know learning as much of the course as i could and he said no no i i never do that because it's totally different in may and june than it is in july and it it takes away my creativity, which I thought was really interesting. In other words, so he likes to go into a place and fly it as the day demands. Um, but of course, in some ways, that's easier for someone like Kriegel, who's been flying in the Alps since he was nine. You know, he's he, he knows it so well, and he's done competitions in all the places that we fly in the X-Alps. So how do you approach that? Did you... I know you did the Adriatic Circle expedition with Tom, and so that went through quite a few places uh, that that were on the on the course. But how do you approach, or how will you approach that aspect of it before uh, before the next race? Yeah, actually, that's I think that's the biggest advantage that Kriegel has um, that he knows the Alps like inside and out. I would say. <laughs> and I think uh, also that this, besides the mental part, is the second. Uh, most important uh, parts and by now I crossed the Alps I think uh, three four four times including the Adriatic Circle I know a lot already and it, it makes me feel much more comfortable than in 2011 still in 2011 I was third place as well, as well you know but when you get to a place um, and you already know what's behind the next mountain and how this valley looks like and if and then if you if you run up a mountain and you know okay there will be this takeoff and you're not you're not running up the mountain and thinking okay is there a takeoff or not or will I be able to glide out the next valley or are there trees or is there a cable or whatever you know this experience can make you really a lot faster I think so um, to to prepare in this in this. Um, this direction, um, I, I always try to do as much um, hike and fly as possible. And um, for from 2013-2015, the Adriatic Circle um, like came up in this idea as well. You know, I thought okay, I was looking at the map and I thought, okay, I want to cross the Alps to get better. For the next X Alps, and uh, and then slowly, slowly, this whole project of the Adriatic Circle um, evolved out of this thought. And for for the next summer, for or for this summer, 2016, I have another project in my mind already, um, which is also taking place in the Alps. 
I can fly and um, yeah, I will definitely work on this as well because I think um, I, sometimes I can't even imagine how, how a pilot from, I don't know, maybe you, I mean, you probably know the art <laughs> better, but, uh, but uh, I think this, is, this can be a really, a really, really uh, big part that can make you a lot better if you start knowing the area better. That last night, um, when the, the, or the, sorry, the, the night I got into, the day I got into Monaco, we had some beers that night and we were talking with yourself and Aaron and Petio and some of the other guys and we were all sharing some quite scary uh, stories of, you know, incidences we'd gotten ourselves in and I imagine you've probably had those. You mentioned you had some you know, really high winds in 2011. I think 2013 was was really good flying conditions, but I'm sure probably still some scary moments. Um, how have you kind of resolved to yourself the danger of the X Alps? And just uh, in general, I think also training for something like the X Alps, you really have to put yourself um, again and again in very compromised positions. Um, so so that. <laughs> answer that for me if you could as well as uh you know i think the third flight it sounded like you went into a tree on your third flight if you had <laughs> if you had other examples like that that have uh <laughs> taught you some things about safety yeah this is a very difficult question actually for me because it's so it's so hard to answer what what makes what makes it possible to fly to fly safe or to fly fast and safe and in the Alps. In 2013, in spring, uh, in, two, in spring 2014, I crashed um, for the first time after that one crash uh, with the tree. I was flying a big triangle and I, I actually wanted to make it uh, over 200 kilometers uh, triangle. So. And there came this. There came. There was a big storm in the back, and I thought, okay, now uh, I have 170 kilometers. I have to fly 200 kilometers. So I went to Ridge, and uh, there was cold air coming over the mountain, and it was really like blowing from north down uh, the wall, like a, like a fern situation. Like it was really falling wind that was falling down to the south, um, and you could actually see this 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 little uh, this small layer of of cold air which was forming a little bit of cloud like it was a fog area a layer that was falling down the mountain and i actually i knew okay there there will not be a thermal anymore but i still went very close to the mountain and i was trying to soar that little ridge on the north side uh, instead of flying obviously where you fly normally in the south side <laughs> and uh, but at some point it wasn't working and it was it felt like five kilometers per hour wind um on the on the ridge and i, I had to go into the lee side because uh yeah otherwise i would land on the mountain so I thought, okay, there's not a lot of wind, and I fly into the lee, and I I knew that okay, sometimes it happened to me that the glider is still like uh, giving you a little bit a better glide when you leave it in the in the loof side as long as possible while you as a pilot are already in the lee side. <laughs> so I was really like sticking to the to the ridge, and uh, as soon as the glider came into the uh, under the ridge. Like really in that moment, the glider was completely collapsing and I was in the same moment I was in the in this very, very steep 1000 meter rock wall and <laughs> like I was falling into that wall. 
three times I was doing a salto down the, the rocks wall until the glider got stuck and I was thinking okay shit you know like how can, could this happen I was never never expecting this to happen you know so um, since that moment uh, I was I had to kind of um, build up a new like uh, motivation and also like safety strategy for me just can happen you know like you can fly as safe as you want uh, but still from one moment to the other you're in a situation that that makes you crash you know like can just happen to anybody that's what i think i don't know about you if you if you think the same that's pretty yeah, interesting yeah. did you in that incident did, do i understand correctly that you so you didn't throw your reserve you actually but you hit the cliff wall and you got hung up by the glider or how how did I was so low. I remember that I, I had the collapse. I was actually having the collapse on the side that was away from the <coughs> sorry from the wall. So I I had that mom. I I didn't like with with the like a pendulum crash into the wall. But I I went to the other side first, and I thought okay the, the collapse open, and I thought okay maybe I can come out of it like with like out of a big. Um, wing over but in the moment like the glider was shooting really far in front it probably collapsed I don't remember that moment really it probably it collapsed in front of me and I, I hit the ground in that moment and then I was falling down the the rock face like three times or something and then the glider got stuck in the rocks and I stopped at that point actually I didn't really hurt myself I had a little bit like compressed uh, vertebra but nothing like really serious I had no big like operation or anything so I was so really, really lucky. Like I thought, okay, this now my, the whole luck you can have is used. You know? yeah, <laughs> your, your your luck jar was empty. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. There can't be anything left. And then one friend told me, okay, it's like you you um, even if you if you uh, have six 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 in a row, you on the next uh, draw you still have the same chances. You know, this is <laughs> this is what kind of uh, made my mindset uh, really good again. <laughs> because it? it doesn't mean that when you're lucky one time, you are not lucky anymore the next time. It was it. Um... Was it was it hard to fly again after that for a little while, or were you were you more reserved or more scared, or did it change? Obviously, it, you said it really changed how you approached it, but in, in what ways? Yeah, that's that's interesting because uh, it was 2013, beginning of May when that happened, and in, in June, uh, mid of June, I started the Adriatic Circle with Tom, project Tom, project with Tom. Um, and I, I remember I was really afraid, you know, to fly. Actually, I was really um, checking the situation very, very well, and I was taking, like, kind of taking no risk. And I told Tom, okay, no, maybe we shouldn't take off or something like this. So um, I was really, um, how do you say, like, trying not to take any risk and. And then I remember, actually, it was that day when Tom crashed. <laughs> we were flying uh, from um, the, over the Newfoundland bus, actually one part of the this year's Xarts as well, where I was going the other direction. But that time we were going from north to southeast um, towards uh, the Swiss, uh, the Italian part of Switzerland there. And uh, we were we were flying in pretty turbulent conditions and. Uh, then Tom crashed, and then in the hospital he he told me, "Yeah, 
on this flight I felt that you were back, you know, like back with your with your flying like you were flying before. So I think it took me at least like we were flying every day, so it took me for sure 30 uh, cross country flights to to get back to that to that uh, performance that I was having before like this this little bit of aggress- aggressive aggressive kind of flying you know going close to the wall to take a thermal and stuff like this you know this is just this just took time to to work on it um but now I've tried to fly um in a way that thinking a li- one step more ahead than before you know like really this is i think in that in that situation when i crashed i was thinking to think ahead but i was just thinking one step ahead and not two steps ahead <laughs> kind okay. of right. so now i try i just try to to think about it before and to say okay sometimes you don't have to fly really really close to the ridge you can also fly a little bit outside just with a little bit more distance and it works as well Hmm. and things like you know and uh, this is also a funny story about that when I was during the excerpts this year I was uh, last year I was flying with Sebastian Huber sometimes and in the end after the race he, he I talked to him and he told me yeah it was very interesting to see and I learned about I learned something there to see me flying always a little bit further away from the ridge than he was you know like he was scratching the the big walls like the really high mountains really high peaks in Switzerland I watched him flying there and I was just flying straight outside <laughs> and I was I, I had the same you know like uh, speed and we were meeting again on the next mountain you know but he was taking a lot more risk and he was taking he was obviously taking a lot more risk really mm. like and I thought okay well pff, this doesn't look so safe but probably I would have done exactly the same uh, before this crash and this is this is what I learned that there is not only one option to fly you know <laughs> so many options because like we don't even know how many possibilities there are to go sure here or there you know and uh, there's always one that is a little bit safer or a better compromise between safety and uh, flying fast when I was when I was first learning I did a, a really instrumental trip with a guy named Toby Colomb he runs a company called Passion Paragliding and I still to this day I'm a very terrain hungry pilot I don't like to leave, leave the terrain because I'm a mountain pilot and that's what I trust and I don't know the flatlands very well I haven't done much flatland flying but Every time we would launch, he would just go out to places that I thought would never work. And, and he would always find a climb and always go. He would, it would always work. He'd always find something. And it was, you know, it wasn't over triggers and it was, it was over valleys and it was the places that you weren't supposed to, you know, quote unquote, get a climb and he would, and it was much, much safer. He was quite scared of the big mountain. So it was just a kind of a different approach, but, but, uh, I, I learned a lot from that. I'm constantly trying to talk myself away from the terrain. <laughs> Sounds like Sebastian Huber and I would like flying together. <laughs> I, well, I don't want to. I don't want to say that I'm that I'm not flying very, very close to the terrain. Sometimes, really, I'm. No, I, I can I can fly in terms that are like that's just one channel there, you know. And I, tr- I I take a thermal there. It's just I just want to say that it's sometimes it's obviously possible that another route route works as well. Sure, and a safer route. 
I take the safer route and this is what I learned you know mm-hmm. sometimes you have to go really close if you're scratching the the hill really low you have to go close to the to the mountain sometimes and I do that you know I can do that but I I do it uh, I know that I'm doing it then in that moment you know mm-hmm. and this is this is what I want to say this is the difference that's what I learned from this crash that before I was not thinking about uh, the risk so much I was just flying you know and now I think okay now I know I have to go really close to the wall to get up again I will do it but I'm not just in general flying as close as possible to the wall mm, mm, I think that's yeah I think that's really really good advice yeah I was actually flying with Kriegel in the tandem once in a competition, it was a borderline competition. I don't know if you know that. If it sounds for the English speaking, sounds stupid to, to do a borderline competition. But uh, <laughs> there are those borderline competitions in Austria uh, and sometimes in Switzerland. And you have to. It's like a little, a small X Alps. It's 33 hours of getting away as far as possible from the from the start and getting back in that time. And um, I was taking part in the tandem with Kriegel in in this competition uh, it was uh, in in autumn 2013 i think after the exarps and he was the pilot of course uh, in in um, in switzerland it was actually in his home like around interlaken we were flying um, with the tandem that day i think 150 kilometers almost you know and we were winning of course with a lot of advantage because he knew the terrain perfectly and with that tandem we were flying i don't know if i should say all the details here for everybody (laughs) (laughs) um what i can say are the legal legal things and the legal things were that uh the trimmers were open all the time and we were flying like two meters from the terrain and um, straight for 20k doing a big crossing going up in one thermal straight for 20k and again like three four times like this and really we were not flying further away than two three five meters from the ground all the time (laughs) and I was like I trust I trust him a lot I know that he he's really good he knows what he's doing he didn't crash yet for really a long time so yeah (laughs) I just trusted him and I felt really comfortable actually but it's totally not it would totally not be my style you know to fly like this close anymore that is his magic it's just flying straight he just doesn't turn course it is yeah i mean yeah in in those cases maybe or probably is the right strategy just to go to go very close and straight yeah 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 well hey the, we're uh, we're, we're getting close to our designated hour but i have a couple questions I, I really do want to ask you um this one not necessarily paragliding if it's if it is paragliding so be it but what is your when you look back at say since 2005 when you learned but again it doesn't have to be paragliding um but what is your greatest achievement and what is your greatest disappointment (laughs) that's an interesting question uh i think for me for myself the greatest achievement is that um I could always uh, be in the X-Alps until the end of the race, like the official end, either reaching Monaco or in 2011, just when the times 
it's over, it's over, you know. But I didn't have to leave the race because I hurt myself or something like this. Um, this is for me personally my biggest achievement. Um, the worst, hmm, maybe I shouldn't say that it was this crash because I learned so much about it, but I think it was that that crash actually. <laughs> because, um, yeah, it was kind of a horrible situation for me to to yeah to crash and to see that it can be over in in a second you know like <laughs> you don't even realize that 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 it's happening you know i think the the really good lesson there the hard lesson there is that we we can't rely on luck can't we can we i mean it was uh, there's only so many times you can pull that card exactly yeah that's so we have to we have to work on this you know we have to work on on this aspect we have to do everything that's possible to to fly as long as possible you know <laughs> like as long as possible in our life i saw i saw so many like good friends crashing and like one friend of mine died and and others like broke every bone next to me and i was there when they were just like lying on the ground and i i saw it like it's it's now it's cruel stories you know <laughs> not for the listen not, not nice for the listeners to listen but but people like they have so much pain when they crash and it it's so bad and i i really think this is not i don't want to have that you know i really don't want to <laughs> lie on the ground totally broken or even dead and so this is my my main my main goal actually to fly as long as possible maybe not getting the best results it's more important to to do much many 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 more flights than to be yeah first somewhere for one time there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. <laughs> I love that saying. <laughs> do, do you have any, um, just just one other kind of uh, a question that we talked about before we actually started this. Uh, you had a friend that wanted to know if you have any resources that you would point people to. I know in, uh, when I started getting into it, uh, Burkhard Martin's book, uh, Thermal Flying, is just like my Bible. Uh, do you have anything like that that you've used uh, over the years to to train outside of just the doing it yeah actually this book that you just mentioned from Burke is is a very good book but uh it's uh if you want the really detailed version of this kind of information you should get a, a book that is called uh strecken segelflug it's like it's a it's a it's a book for sailplane pilots I think from this book you can learn really everything about cross-country flying. You know, it's like more like going more a little bit more into detail, and it means the the title is, is Streckensegelflug in in German, and it means uh, cross-country flying with sailplane. Uh, this is my is my kind of Bible. <laughs> when we meet again, I will show it to you, and you you can maybe read try to get it in get it in an English version. This is actually a very old book by now. Um, I got this uh, like I was I was uh, getting it from Philip, that one Philip Medicus who who introduced me to paragliding as well. He was a sailplane pilot before actually, so that's why he knew that. And it's like in theory you can learn everything there, like flying waves or like things that you don't even think about with a paraglider 
in first in the first hand you know mm. yeah i think in this in this exomps uh, hansa who's a meteorologist that's what he does is study weather he he flew in some wave coming into the matterhorn that day i think it was day day eight and that's just something i'd never <laughs> i'd never imagined we would be doing on a paraglider that's pretty cool i was i was wave once too in um, emberger arm mm. i was going up thermal and it like when I, when we were at the cloud base, everybody was leaving and it was, but it was still beeping. My Vario was still showing me that it's climbing. So I climbed and climbed and climbed. And then I was so high above the, above the cumulus clouds underneath me. And I thought, okay, this must be, you know, this must be a wave. And I just flew straight over everybody. That was really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. That's amazing. Well, Paul, we'll, uh, if you don't mind, we're going to end it on this, the, the Proust questionnaire. These are just a whole series of questions that uh, answer however you like. Uh, what is your favorite word? My favorite word? <laughs> you have interesting questions, really. Um, <laughs> my favorite word. Um, yeah, it, it's one of my favorite words is, or it's two words. Um, in German, it's a uh, locker bleiben. <laughs> it means kind of stay, stay cool. Stay cool. Okay, I like it. Like, like the fawns. And what is your least favorite word? My least favorite word. Um, when because we talked about uh, those things right now, it's probably crash. If you ask me ah, in this moment. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. What turns you on and what turns you off? Uh. It turns me on to, I love to, to have a small glider on my back and just just uh, have a mountain there and just run up is what I love. And what turns you off? And what turns me off? Um, if I can't take off. <laughs> <laughs> Walking back down, that's awful. I, I agree. <laughs> it's actually very important to learn to walk down because when, when you have to climb the Dachstein, on the first or second day of the X Alps, and you can't fly down, you have to walk down. And if you are not used to that, for sure, you're probably out of the race. Or yeah, it will give you a really, really hard time. So sometimes it's important to to walk down as well. Yeah, I hate going down. Oh, what profession other than your own, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Um. Well, right now I'm learning to fly planes. So maybe I should be, I, I should be a um, pilot for a plane. And what profession would you not like to do? Uh, any kind of profession that uh, means that I can um, not be outside outside sometimes when the sun is shining. This is a common one with our audience. Vesso answered that the exact same way. <laughs> and then last one, and then I'll I'll let you go to sleep. I know it's getting late there at Austria. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, you did a good job. Ah, I like it. You did a good job. <laughs> Welcome. You did a good job. Enjoy. <laughs> love it. I love it. Fantastic. Paul, thank you very much. Uh, before we sign off, where can people find you? I know you're, you've got quite a social media presence, but um, if people want to reach out and say hello or ask you any questions, how can they do so? Uh, well, by now, it's I would say it's Facebook. Of course, uh, I have a homepage as well, paulkuschelbauer.at. But uh, just type my name into Facebook and you find my 
athlete page I answer uh, messages very fast usually as soon as I read them and yeah I'm I'm happy to to answer any questions and to be in contact with people who are yeah asking me things or <laughs> want to know more great cool um, Paul thank you very much that was uh, a lot of fun it's great to, to talk to you after all these months and I look forward to flying with you and uh, competing with you in the X Alps here in 2017 and um, hopefully our, our paths will cross before then though I know we've got a lot of similar interests so uh, thank you yeah, whenever you you want to come by, come by. And uh, yeah, the time you you're asking really good questions. So I told a lot of stories, and time passed really fast. <laughs> Actually, I want to have it very short because I listened to the, some others, and I hope people will not be bored when they listen to my or our conversation now. Oh, I don't I don't think it will be. And and, and by the way, um, for those of you listening, uh, I really do recommend if you've got an interest uh, in flying as well as the X Alps, uh, Paul did this fantastic series. Uh, I think he called it 25 Days Till Christmas um, on, on right on Facebook. If you go to his athlete page and like his page and read some of that stuff, it's really terrific. It did kind of a day-by-day accounting of the X Alps. It was very exciting to, uh, to relive both as a participant and a sure as a as a viewer so paul thank you very much uh happy new year and uh we'll see you soon yeah thank you gavin i hope i see you soon too Um, and thanks for listening everybody Well, that was pretty fun. Uh, really cool. It, you know, it took us weeks to uh, put that together. I've been wanting to talk to Paul for a long time. We haven't been able to spend much time together, actually. We, we got to know each other very briefly in the X-Alps uh, this year, but I hope to fly with him and spend some more time with him in the future. Um, really cool chatting with him, and hope you got something out of that. Uh, as always, all we ask for is Buck's show. If you got something out of that or one of the previous episodes, if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, I highly encourage you to go back and check out some of them uh there's some fantastic wisdom and some great personalities there so go back in and and uh set them up for a drive or when you're heading out to the next your next flying site uh, appreciate you listening thanks so much for the donations everybody's being incredibly generous uh this has been a lot of fun we'll keep doing it uh and i think we finally got will gad queued up uh he's just gotten back from the uray ice festival and I'm going to be sitting down with him this weekend. So if you've got some questions for the maestro or the legend, however you want to call Will, uh, hit me up on Facebook and let me know what I should be asking him. I've got a long list of questions, but that should be a really fun talk. See you next time on the Cloud Based Mayhem. Cheers.